Stuff Said, a cartoonist's unique and distinct conversations with people in comics, cartooning, and beyond. So I rejected my own inking sample. Comics was booming! It was all hands on deck. You were going to be a cop? I was going to be a cop. I would have been a damn good cop. It's almost like if you watched The Little Mermaid, and then you had to interview Ariel. Right. The storyboarding is so complex. There's, there's always room for exploration and, and growth. Everybody started a webcomic in 2000. I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Oh, yeah. I like to be on the side of righteousness. I, I just dwell on these things, and sure. the only healthy way to unleash that is if I turn it into something positive, like a comic. I'm just the guy sitting there <laughs> pissing on the, on the fence, seeing if he's going to get this pecker zap. Stuff Said, a unique podcast available at StuffSaidShow.com and iTunes. This is Ink Studs on the road, and it's Sunday night at the uh, North Bethesda Marriott after a long, exciting weekend at SBX, and uh, Brandon and I are joined by Eleanor Davis and Emily Carroll, Hello. our two favorite people whose names start with E. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you both for coming to join us. Um, Eeyore. I like Eeyore, too. Eeyore? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like... Just think he's a downer? He's a bit of a downer. He's going through some stuff. He looks good. Hmm. I feel a close kinship to Eeyore, so I feel I also feel like a, a soft toy donkey right now in my pajamas. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Do you it's guys know enough. Emily? She's kind of a soft toy donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Emily's latest work is Through the Woods, and uh, Eleanor's book is How to Be Happy. Um, both. Um, Great, wonderful, beautiful collections of short stories. That's kind of a neat commonality between the two of you. Um, they're all kind of very different works all collected together. Yeah, they're all similar place. formats, too. It's interesting. Yeah, if Emily's publisher sent me the hardcover, it would be even more similar. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. No, I have I the hardcover. Uh, now, before we started recording, Brandon had a question for Eleanor. I, this might be too heavy, man. I don't know if we want to just jump right into it. We were we were talking about uh, ultimate shipping couples, and well, because I, I have to pre- I have to preface this, and uh, and and you at home, I want to prepare yourselves emotionally. But Emily had to do a or she did a drawing for her friend. I, I had to. She had to. There was contractually a, obligated. She was contractually obligated to do a to a friend of hers recently got into Rumika Takahashi's Ranma, mm-hmm. and um, and was really into the idea of. The relationship between Ryoga and a female Ranma. Yeah. And oh, and Emily came to the, me this and just like, just like some old tired senator who'd seen it all. I was just like, oh Jesus, I was really? So that's scornful. Not a, that's not a good <laughs> ship. Yeah. Well, because she really loves uh, Ryoga, um, and when I was really, when I was at my like deepest into Ranma, I was so um, like I identified so strongly with Radma that like I, I, who he disliked I disliked by default. So I always thought like Ryoga was just this wiener. Didn't Ranma, near the end of the series Radma uh, talks about how he starts to identify more as female Radma. Does well, he? I think so. I, I was wondering if it was kind of Takahashi. Well, it's interesting how much that kind of plays with gender. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's like. But so anyway, yeah. So so I drew a picture of Ryoga and uh, female Radma like about to kiss. Or like 
I think she sort of likes uh, female Ron like teasing Ryoko. Yeah, who right. is dominant? Female Ron was definitely being the dominant. Yeah, it? yeah, like really making Ryoko uncomfortable. I mean, Ryoko's just gonna get lost down there anyway. What's that? Ryoko's just gonna get lost down there <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so you want to know that who we ship in Ron the yeah. one half? <laughs> uh, Elmer, you have strong I, feelings. Man, I, this is the first time I, I'm feeling. Very embarrassed about not knowing as much about Ranma as I would <laughs> prefer, and I know an awful lot about Ranma, but I don't think I haven't read the entire series. For example, I think I, I, I pooped out on it when I realized that Ranma and Akai were never gonna really get together. Did they get married do. eventually? They do, yeah. But it was like a joke wedding, guys. <laughs> was, I, that was I, I never actually read that part. That that wedding was, was ridiculous. Wedding. They never even kissed. So would they be your ship? The well, canonical. I mean, I does that make me sound like a square? No, because uh, I would. That's <laughs> that's okay. I I don't like. I have no. I'm the worst sort of like fan of anything. I could never get into like fan fiction or anything like that because um, I'm so strict on like canonical couples mm. and like all that kind of stuff. So I like Ranma and Akane. That was why I was so anti Ryoga well, for a while. Here's my major problem with it: is I'm deeply in love with the middle sister. Nabiki? Yeah. Nabiki's pretty Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. Oh, yeah. You would like her the best. I really wanted a Nabiki haircut for about all of my teen years. Yeah. There's still time. Yeah. I don't know. He's <laughs> got some years left. I remember going to an anime convention, and this guy really excitedly telling me his whole plan that is involving hair dye and everything, that he was going to jump in the pool at one point, and it's caused by his Ranma, and actually change into, like... Into like uh, male or female Ranma? Blow everyone's mind. Yeah. <laughs> We're still talking about this 20 years later, man. Guys, pay attention, I'm going to the pool, I'm going to the pool! <laughs> Just all this dye everywhere. <laughs> His breasts are floating up. We <laughs> would have shown you guys, we would have shown everyone. So, who's your, who's your pick? That's, that's Wait, good. So, so you like Nabiki the best, so you'd want to ship somebody with Nabiki, but there's nobody who's good enough well, for no, Nabiki. There's the like thing. Kuno, and, and she sort there's of had like a sustained flirtation. Oh, because no, she was always ripping him off, and they were yeah. also in the same grade. Yeah. yeah. I don't like, know. Oh. I mean, I don't. I don't know if I don't know if I believe. I, I never. Her sexuality is never an issue in the show, in the cartoon, in the comic. And you know, maybe maybe it's unexplored. You know, I maybe I don't. I I have no idea who she. Was. I think that she would probably only be attracted to somebody as like evil and manipulative as her, which I don't think exists. Well, Kuno is pretty. If Kuno just wasn't so dumb, he's dumb. That's right. the thing. I think she likes. I think that was sort of why. That's why she likes him. Yeah, she's yeah. yeah, easily. Okay, I'll buy it. Yeah. This so is my. But I also <laughs> I really like. You know what I, you know what I'm really into? I'm into a Ronma male with a Ronma female shape. Like <laughs> like the woman who died I don't they, I'm sure they never did this, but the woman who died to uh in falling into the pool, if he could fall in love with that woman, I think it'd be weird because he would start to identify as her and have Oh the, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that's really pushing it, but this is you should write something. No, I'm I'm now I'm thinking about it's it. It's probably already been written to be yeah. talking about telling him to do some fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. And what's really funny is um talking about Talking about like shipping stuff with Ranma is like my immediate thing goes to all of the endless Ranma porn I've seen. Yeah. And how and, and there's lots of Ryoga Ranma stuff. Well, the first the first interaction I ever had with fan fiction, and maybe this is why it's like put me off. It sort of is. Um, I was really into Ranma like I was like 14, and um, I, I don't know. I was like looking up like sound clips or something to put up my like fan page nice. um but um i found this one story and it was about 
um, the premise was that Ranma is in his girl form mm -hmm. and somehow gets cursed to become like an inflatable balloon version mm. of his girl. And she like, it's re it was like, I remember it was like really detailed, like the sounds she made like walking around. She was like always squeaking Squeak. and inflated. Oh, yeah. And then like basically the whole thing, it was like lighthearted and fun and had like jokes in it, but it was just Rama as this balloon girl Rama having <laughs> sex with every male character in Rama. Like and it was like this long thing just like scrolling through and it'd be like real good. Like, Fourteen. Oh, or I'm so sorry. So and then it's I was so sort of hard. like, and I was like, I, I get so possessive over like <laughs> shows or like comics or games I like that I was like, this Rama wouldn't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that then I just stopped reading fanfiction right. forever. Soon I'd have sex with a cat. <laughs> oh, you like shampoo, don't you? Nobody likes shampoo. Let's Nobody be. Nobody likes shampoo. Oh, I like shampoo. Oh, really? Sorry. Yeah. Yukio is pretty great. Yeah, Yukio is good too. She was the people should pair her with Ryoga. Oh yeah. So how well, old were you kind of when sucked. you started reading Ranma? <laughs> uh, I think that was the one of the first ones uh, my family got into. So I would have been about ten or eleven. Yeah, I think we're all of the generation where that was kind of the the it was like that and Dragon Ball were like mm -hmm. the giant things. Yeah, I never heard I didn't even realize who the two characters. There's like two. Wait, is there one guy in Dragon Ball? There's multiple there's, characters. But, like, in there's, but are there? There's like, but there's like a guy in. Uh, he has a son. Does his hair like, change color at some point? Well, he goes super Saiyan, yeah. But but the confusing <laughs> thing is, he he looks a certain way, and then he grows up, and then he has a son that looks exactly how he used to look, and then eventually he has a grandson that looks exactly like both how he and his. So there's always a character that looked like him as a child, but it's not always him. Maybe I'll write a comic that's just what I think Dragon Ball. That would be amazing, about. actually. <laughs> I have no. I don't. It'd be really fun to do an anthology just of people doing comic books about things that they don't know what they're about. Yeah. Yeah. I would do a Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I totally know what that's about. <laughs> and it's hot. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of the X Men stuff we were talking about last night. I tried to. I tried to get. Um, so Gary Groth is at this convention. Oh, oh talk about shipping. Yeah. No, oh seriously. man. <laughs> no, but I, I was having a conversation with a woman who was talking about how her uh, boyfriend was really into Marvel comics. It, it eventually it came up at some point how there's there's for years there's been this constant ongoing rumor about Chris Claremont bringing the the Hellfire Club from the Hellfire Club from X Men was based on a real sex club that he would go to. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of cross-dressing in his own life and a lot of cross-dressing that he would kind of apply in the character's life. There's, Min I think, Minito and Polaris are supposed to be the same character cross-dressing. And, um, and I asked Gary Groth about that because I was like, oh, he's an insider in, in, the, in the comic book news for years and years. And <laughs> just the smile I got out of him, like, what the fuck are you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> So that was fun. <laughs> I just don't know where to go after the Ranma. Uh, yeah. where, where did it... What what other what other comics were? Well, Eleanor, did you come into comics as as uh, were you were you producing comic books while you were reading this early stuff? Yeah, I I uh, my parents were always really into comics. They 
both were really into um, like classic American comics, uh, old newspaper comics, Little Lulu, um, underground comics, and then, and so I read those mm -hmm. growing up, and then my whole family got into, well, my dad got into anime and manga, and when my dad gets into any, anything, he's like, the whole family is into anime and manga now. <laughs> That's amazing. Wife, kids, we're like, okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I Wife, your favorite show is Tenchi Miyo. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's exactly how it works. <laughs> and for Christmas, all we would only get anime merchandise. That's it. It was terrible. Wow. That's so, uh, it's like, it's terrible, and, and you know. I, I was about to complain about having a normal family, but my mom's a science fiction writer, so it was just like, no, I would just get... So, never mind. No. Oh, I had not heard another Wizard of Oz book. This is horrible. <laughs> Every family is weird. Um, yeah, so I started... I was doing a lot of uh, uh, manga ripoff stuff. I can still do a pretty good long... Oh, nice. Or, We're going to have to... Uh... Yeah, I think... Yeah, well, she has those ear tails, the giant. Yeah. Fat. Oh man. Oh um, gosh. <laughs> but and uh, I love, I love seeing. That's the nicest thing about like the super nerdy kids at comic mm -hmm. conventions that have like where they just have normal people hair. So of course it's lank, like mm -hmm. hair is. But they have like it's in different <laughs> tendrils and stuff, and right. you're like, oh, you think your hair is like Lama's hair <laughs> or whatever. Right. The, whatever the modern equivalent of. Yeah. The, the equivalent. Some Inuyasha or whatnot that the kids are into these days. <laughs> you, you mentioned before before we started recording, you're talking about how your dad had um, kind of clipped, sh closed a, a page in, in Akira that yeah. was um, super disturbing for a kid, where it's just Tetsuo getting prostitutes delivered to him and then um, exploding them. And then exploding. I was wondering if there was anything in in underground comics if he was reading because those are there's some underground comic stuff that is just like horrible to show yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of underground <laughs> yeah i'd say it's probably 90 percent not to be shown to children well i'm thinking about the the the, the crumb stuff that got a lot of criticism oh yeah like his incredibly racist and his like family incest comics yeah yeah things. yeah i didn't get to my parents my dad i don't actually know where he hid them because i mean you know I lived in the house my whole mm -hmm. life, and I looked for those fucking comics for years. <laughs> but he hid them, and I he didn't let me read them until I was eighteen. Mm. Uh, he actually, um, he really wanted to give me like the talk. This is an old story. Mm. I tell it a lot. He really wanted to give me the sex talk. So like, tell me about the birds and the bees. And he started being like, "Well, I need to talk to you about the birds and the bees." And I it started when I was like. 12 or when you're supposed to give the mm -hmm. talk to your kid and I'd be like no and turn my ears um and he was like well Eleanor, until you let me give you the talk I'm not going to let you read my massive underground comics collection <laughs> <laughs> and um he stuck with that until finally when I was 18 years old I cracked and I was like fuck it give me the fucking talk I can't <laughs> handle this we have three kids already let me hear it <laughs> I need to read your comics. So then he gave me his huge long box mm -hmm. of all of his underground comics. And a week later, I got really drunk and puked all over it. Oh, man. <laughs> That's That'll the teach end of you that dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have stuck to pot with the underground comics. <laughs> Just like the people that made them. <laughs> oh, they drink. They drink a lot. Yeah. Um... I was thinking about both your works, and there's something interesting about how uh, both books are all, they're all short stories, and they're all kind of um, 
interesting open ways to explore ideas. Um, yeah, they're very um, they're they're thinking stories. They like the answers are not e- easily given in many of them. Is that something? Is that something that I'm wondering where the influence of that comes from? Like, like, because um, you know, I mean, even in, in manga, the manga is often very like, you know, reading reading like the kind of manga aimed at teenagers. It's like very kind of cut and dry stories a lot of time, and and like like you know, Emily, you grew up with a lot of children's books that really creeped you out. Yeah, like that's this book is hugely influenced by children's books that creep me out, it, and it's particularly the ones that weren't supposed to creep kids out, um, mm-hmm. but creep them out anyway. Um, well, th- that's authenticity, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like the one that I always talk about <clears throat> is um, Good Night Moon, mm-hmm. if you know that book, yeah. Then like, there's actually like a, a sequence in that book that's styled after Good Night Moon oh, really? in particular, because um, it's like, supposed to be like this gentle... Is it the one with the wolves? Yeah, the little girl's room at the end is the same colors of, as that nightmarish oh, room. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, so smart. So, like, that's sort of like a, an... Uh, that nightmarish room. <laughs> well, well, because, like, I think in Good Night Moon, the walls are, like... The walls are green and the floor's red, I think, and uh, everything's yellow and, like, the... Like, there's, like, a whole... I love your story, floor's all red. The floor's all red, yeah. <laughs> and so, it's based on that. Um, and uh, there were just all these things in it that really creeped me out, but it's supposed to be, like, a gentle book about putting your kids uh, right. to bed... And my mom read it to me, like, and she still thinks it's, like, the most beautiful book in the world until I told her all this. And um, I sort of like that idea of, like, um, evoking, like, a feeling. Like, kids will get scared of anything, whether it's mm-hmm. scary or not. They'll find right. a way to be scared of something. Mm-hmm. And so I like that idea of trying to find a way to, uh, I don't know, capture... Like, I guess, like, it's sort of, like, like, I'm kind of meandering here, but I was thinking a lot about um, Eleanor's talk, uh, not the one today, but the one yesterday, um, and uh, you were sort of talking about how you like short stories and doing short comics because there's a dreaminess uh, that you can encapsulate, and it's it's very much like poetry. And and I, and I feel uh, very similarly in that when I do a, uh, a short comic, I am not so much looking for, like, a cool narrative mm-hmm. uh, I want like an emotional uh, residue to be left right. at the end of it and, and and that the comic is sort of a delivery system for that and I think that uh, because of like I do like kind of like creepy comics mm-hmm. I, I want that to be like an unresolved feeling right. so that's why I kind of try and prize building like atmosphere and um, emotion over like mm-hmm. something clear cut even though I, I like reading like you know like adventure stories or anything like that like, right. I don't have to like be constantly reading like poetry, <laughs> like you know, it's but like it's what I find personally satisfying. To, I was to I was just talking to someone recently about how in my own work I'm really um, uh, I'm so comfort based that I'm kind of unwilling sometimes to to do things that emotionally terrorize the reader. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that in a, I think one of your sketchbook mm-hmm. pages or something, and it made me think like what would a like super like deep, like, tell-all Brandon Grand comic even be like? I mean, it's all pretty... I don't know if I'm not just a comfort human being in a lot of ways. I wrote a horror comic once, and it depressed me, and I never drew it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but you also, you use 
your books to tell all about yourself. I mean, no, I'm not. It's not a lot that I. There's nothing that I'm consciously not talking about. Yeah. yeah. Well, like you do like the sketchbooks too. Like I, I would feel, um, too. I think uh, exposed or vulnerable showing like my sketchbooks mm-hmm. in the way that you do. So mm-hmm. I think that's sort of. I was really surprised at how people reacted to me putting so much of Mary and my my wife my husband, whatever she is, in my in my work and how people would be like, oh, like somebody, there was a review that was just like, if Marion left him, Brandon would kill himself. And I'm just like, and I remember giving the guy shit and being like, oh, I'm sorry, I like the lady I married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so strange. That guy, that, I mean, that sounds like maybe an issue of his. Because yeah. I, you, I mean, you just talk about her like she's a person that yeah. you love. Right. Is that bad? To do? Yes. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, but I don't know if a lot of people are like you're like I don't know if a lot of people kind of put that much out there. Like it's strange to go to these conventions and have people like be like, oh, Marion likes muffins, and I'd be like, who are you? <laughs> but it, it's because we all know. Yeah. <laughs> and then that, that's good. She's I been think. trying to keep that under wraps. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like I'm like giving them like the Marion birds and bees talk, which is really is muffins. <laughs> <laughs> the flower comes first. Yeah. <laughs> Both of your works, um, there's kind of like a, an interesting, like, think about setting and how, um, it's interesting the way setting kind of plays a role in the stories, um, like with Emily's, like, his face all red, like it's his community and like with the Adam and Eve story, um, that community it's also the the one in the the future Nita goes home there we go uh Nita goes home um and I'm curious about like how that goes into the process of like finding this place and because it's a core piece of the story I love this kid's fruit costume sorry I just (laughs) (laughs) there's a little kid in the Nita goes home story that's just they all have to wear these kind of like um these suits to deal with the pollution and she just has like a, she's just dressed like a fruit. kumquat. Like yeah. kumquat. It's amazing. <laughs> so a kumquat kid. You know, there's some pluses to the dystopian future. Mm-hmm. Like, you like cute kids' costumes. <laughs> I almost feel like Nurse Nurse. Katie Skelly's Nurse Nurse could exist in this universe. Yeah, man, I like her stuff a lot. Very, very, uh, oh, sorry, I totally derailed Robin's question. I was going to answer it by just talking about Eleanor again. <laughs> because there's another thing that you said yesterday that I think kind of really resonated with me. Um, so, um, like with a lot of my stuff, like the story you mentioned, it's all kind of in this kind of ambiguous, uh, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, German fairy tale type, uh, reality. Um, and, uh, you know, even if I, I research like a place, uh, that I find, like I said it in a specific place, it doesn't usually come up in the story. And I usually do things all like in the past. Like I think the most modern thing I did was like 1989. I had a comic that was sort of in the late 80s. And, um, and that and was, that was your Archie comic, right? That was my Archie comic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Emily did kind of uh, joke did. Archie. Put comics. a pin in that. We'll yeah, we'll <laughs> before you completely, before you completely forget yeah. what I was going to say. Um, anyway, but at uh, your talk yesterday, you were mentioning um, that you used to do a lot more sort of like uh, historical comics and things like this. Because somebody was asking you about the um, Katie was asking you about the uh, you uh, sometimes have like branding like um, on the T-shirts mm-hmm. on, in the modern stories, and and, and you, what you said uh, struck a chord with me because. You, you said, like, 
you were setting things in the past because um, there was something about including modern elements that, um, like what I, th I thought you were going to say was that it complicates the narrative, you know, if everyone has cell phones, then, you know, they could just get in touch with each other, clear things up real quick, like whatever. But you said, I find, um, I'm trying to like excise things that I find unpleasant. Mm. Like I, you, know, you, you cut yourself like getting rid of like cell phones and setting things in the past so that you could avoid things that you personally find unpleasant. And that I totally do that. <laughs> I do the exact same thing. And, and, you know, for a while I thought it was that I was trying to avoid, um, narrative, uh, like potholes. And it's, no, it's, it's just that I am not pushing myself to confront these things. And so... I was like, man, I've really gotta gotta get on Eleanor's level. Like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta work through this. Um, but so, like, I like that's, I think something I want to think about a lot more um, going ahead is time and place because I feel like I have been too ambiguous and loosey loosey goosey with it. Well, it's so it's so hard because you're trying to tell a really simple. I mean, comics are so uh, they have to be so simple in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's interestingly challenging to figure out what to include and what to to get rid of. Uh, I find that that's often difficult for me um, in because you're you're working with symbols, you're working with sort of simple metaphors a lot of the time to try to tell something a little bit more complicated. But if it you, if it gets too complicated, it all falls apart. And that, sometimes for me at least, it kind of pushes me in a, a kind of a problematic direction. Like, I'll have more male main characters, for example. Because I'm like, well, men, they're like blank. They're anybody. Anybody's a guy. <laughs> but a woman, she has to be like a mom or a daughter or like, you know, it's more like a, a statement. Yeah. Having a main character be a woman. That's so, of course, I'm automatically making this extremely sexist choice right. that's very problematic because it suits my narrative better. Because it simplifies Because it simplifies things. You know, and that's the same reason why characters are white. Because if you have, like, a person of color as your main character, then that's something you need to address. Well, do Whereas you, think you don't have to address it if they're... You know what I'm saying? So it, or at least there's the feeling like you have to, or, um, I guess, if it'll be part of the story. Yeah, do you like, think I mean, it's you reacting to, to influence, just being in a, in a, in a society Reacting. where... Or reacting to readers... Or just be growing up on that stuff, like like you know, like growing up on the idea that in a story that most of the characters are men. Is that? Oh, I mean, I, th I think it's something that our whole, I mean, everybody. Sort of like, you know. Eats and breathes it. It's just mm -hmm. the the what we live in. Right. That's the the norm, and trying to talk about something else, you know, or for instance, how I how I draw women. I usually draw them relatively feminine because if I draw a woman looking like how I look, hmm. nobody'd be able to tell that it was a woman. I did that in my in one of my recent comics, and everyone keeps constantly getting the character's gender wrong, and she keeps yelling at them like she. Right, 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 right. Oh, right. a neuro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that character. Oh, thank you. She's so good. Um, yeah, or like you know, I did a, a comic uh, that was about a a young man and a, like a, a teenage boy and a teenage girl. And I made the boys' hair long because that's what a ton of teenage boys oh, summer, have. Oh, summer snakes? Yeah, and nobody thinks that's a boy. Everybody <laughs> thinks it's really? a girl, which is really, yeah, that one. So it's, it's interesting because you're kind of pushed into these very simple sort of, you know, um, iconic uh, sort of narratives because right. comics are simple and iconic. And then, but sometimes it, it pushes you in directions that are 
that you don't really want to be in. They're kind of being cowardly or or saying things you don't want to say. Have you read the Will Eisner, uh, any of Will Eisner's books on, on comics? Like his like instructional books on comics? Yeah, a long time ago. There's something that I always really... There's a couple things I really disagree with in him. Uh, there's some really interesting ideas and some really good stuff in it, but one of the things he's really into is pushing stereotypes as much as you can and right. being like, a hero should look like a hero and a villain should look like a villain. Yeah, but you're talking about the guy that made a character named Ebony. Well, no, that's that's exactly it. It's totally tied to like his like weird racist and sexist shit in his comics. Um, he's very a, old. You know, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just like big... But you know, Crazy Nights and isn't a crazy racist comic. You know, and that was done like years and years. That was done in like 1913 or something, you know? Yeah. By a black guy. But. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, where was I going with this? I don't know. Simple, iconic. Oh, right. So, so, um, I was just thinking about the, the Eisner thing in relation to what you're saying and how, um, that's something that I really like. Like, ideally, I want to actively fight in my work because, because if you have a character who is, um, not heroic looking, but their actions define them. It is is kind of a more ideal uh, world, you know. Like I, I often try to, um, <clears throat> like in uh, in a lot of my work, I have things where I want I I, I, I pretend normalcy a lot in my work, where mm-hmm. I want things to be treated like they're very normal, mm-hmm. like um, it's, I'm work I'm doing a scene right now in a comic that has a, basically like a it's like a drag bar, mm-hmm. but it's in a world where nobody's weird about someone being gay. Mm-hmm. So you have to totally redefine how people, you know, how gay people act and mm-hmm. how... Or how that culture would evolve. How that culture would evolve, yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's frustrating because you just want, like, sassy drag queens mm-hmm. that are ferrets. They're also all birds, yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> They're birds and moles, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, just sort of on that note, I, was, I wanted to ask you in general, um, Eleanor... So you did recently the uh, diary comics, mm-hmm. uh, comics journal, um, and it, so the way you draw yourself mm-hmm. in your diary comics is that because of what you were talking about? Because you don't draw yourself looking like how you look. Oh, you mean not knowing? Oh, right. Well, yeah, just like are, are you are either. you making your body like? Oh yeah, yeah. Look different to look more to look coded as like more. Womanly, or is it just sort of how you? I like I I draw my when I draw self portraits I draw my body in a lot of different ways. Is this is this you at the beginning of this? I, yeah, kind of. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I just very kind it, of barrel chested. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's kind of. Weird. I, I don't know. I like that sketch. I don't know. What <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I what I, I like to draw my body, looking how I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, so. So often mm. how I draw myself really morphs if I'm feeling badly or if I'm drawing a moment in which I felt badly, I might draw myself looking blobbier or if I'm feeling better, I might draw myself looking more, you know, sexy or whatever. But also something I figured out is that I like my own drawings. They please me. And if I draw myself, if I draw a picture of myself, I like that picture and if I draw myself looking like big it makes me feel better about being big Hmm. you know whereas I feel like if I tried to always like draw myself looking the way that I wished that I looked Mm -hmm. that it would just be sort of like encouraging myself to feel bad that's really close to my experience except for I always draw myself like a slug (laughs) (laughs) 
But it does it does make you it seriously makes you feel better. I've had moments where I've been like I'm feeling gross about myself and I draw this little slug version. I'm like, that doesn't look so bad. Look <laughs> I like that little guy. It's a handsome little yeah. slug man. <laughs> Exactly. But that and was. You for, draw yourself as well, Emily. But it's always very. Yeah, like I draw. Like I do sort of a similar thing. I draw. Cause somebody asked me about this recently. And I guess it was something that I. I just had never considered. Like this was just how I drew myself. Uh, and why wouldn't I draw myself this way? Um, I draw myself as like, um, like really haggard. And a, as monsters. Often. And like yeah, and like I have sort of like um, like a lizard face. Um, and uh, and so sad. And then it so usually upset. looks sad and upset or eager to please. <laughs> and then sometimes I'll have like goat legs. Um, and that's um, well, I mean my legs are super hairy, so that's probably <laughs> something to do with it. But also, <laughs> part of it is that I just like I I don't know. Like I, I feel like um, so I had this experience with a few people at um, when I first started going to like cons. Um, because of the work I do, which is like fairy tale-ish, I'd meet people and they would say like, oh, you do not look like how I pictured you looking. And I'd be like, well, how did you picture me looking? And more than one person said, oh, I thought you like, would have like kind of like long, like kind of like wavy blonde hair and like, like kind of like, like I don't think they said this, but like it was, the implication was like, I'd be like kind of like wafy and like, just step over far, and fast. Like, looking like Lorena McKenna or something. Disney princess. Not quite. Probably, like, you know, more turtlenecks and scarves. So I was sort of like, well, that's like... that's. I've heard those words said with such disdain. <laughs> <laughs> I like, apologize to people at turtlenecks. <laughs> that she so, hates you. So, like, I think part of me drawing myself like this was to, like, really head that off at the pass. Because mm. I sort of resented it, like, you know... Be, uh, you know, I write fairy tales, but I'm kind of like schleppy and wear t-shirts. So, uh, I, so I started drawing myself as this uh, lizard face. The other practical application of it is that I can't draw likenesses for the life of me. So I'm like, well, you if I just I can't draw likenesses of oh, people. Yeah, yeah. So if I just draw like a lizard face, and um, so long as I get like kind of like a furrow eyebrows <laughs> and like bag lines. <laughs> under my eyes, then, like, it's golden. It will look like me, no matter what you do. I really like seeing how you draw your wife. It's, like, it's so, uh, it's adorable. Why? You draw her so, like, it's drawn with so much love. Oh. It's very, and, you know, obviously I'm, I'm very fond of Kate, but, uh, but, but you don't think I should be drawing her with so much? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Give her some room here. Come on. <laughs> You've only been married a couple of years. Like, you know, don't, don't go too fast here. <laughs> Well, because that's another interesting thing about not just drawing yourself, but how you draw. Eleanor, do you do you have any portraits of people in your life that you? Yeah, I tend to try to draw people, other people, looking like super normal. Yeah, that's what because I do. yeah, because they always get their feelings hurt. That's interesting because uh, me and Emily have a mutual friend, Claire. That whenever I draw her, she's a very kind of tall, pretty blonde lady, and and whenever uh, I'll draw pictures of all my friends all the time, and and she's always like. No, I want to be like a weird little slubby thing like you guys. <laughs> and uh, she's like, I'm tired of being this this like <laughs> this one uh, human around yeah. like just, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> around this goblin and then this like slug. Yeah, exactly. Marion's the goblin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's also a thing where it's like for some reason I uh, I. I I don't ever want to draw myself looking like attractive. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like 
in a way that would be it's the same thing you were talking about it would make me feel bad mm-hmm. um as because like i would feel in one way like oh i'm putting on airs like mm-hmm. how dare i <laughs> <laughs> but also like yeah like i mean there's like a million drawings of like pretty girls or whatever but there's not a million drawings of like goat-legged lizards mm-hmm. so it could at least look interesting <laughs> i think it's a it's an interesting balance because i don't want to fall into and I don't think that you do this with your drawings of yourself but I don't I don't think the goal is to like you know put yourself down no by how you draw yourself but I do like the idea of like not um you know not being fakey about it Mm -hmm. and also I think especially for women uh I like uh I like presenting myself in a way that's very physical but not sexual, because mm-hmm. uh, that's not a thing that is an option for women a lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, or is considered an option. And it bothers people, you know, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, why do you draw yourself like that? Which is amazing, because you think about male cartoonists, like the idea of self-portraits sexualizing themselves. And I mean, and you, I mean you got Craig Thompson masturbating very beautifully, and, and Paul Pope. <laughs> Drawing himself, drawing himself and then comedy. masturbating over it very beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just interesting the the you know the weird double standard. How it's almost it's a really comical idea to think of that for a guy, mm-hmm. and for women it's kind of expected. It's kind of mm-hmm. insane to think of that way. Mm-hmm. And and you get shit if you don't do it. Right. You you, you know. You don't draw yourself like you're aroused by yourself enough. Right, right, right. Yeah. You don't. You know. Why do you have such low self esteem? It's like, well, fuck you. You know, I just, that's not what I'm into. I was going to say, Robin, how do you feel about the drawings that people do of you as, like, the dirty bird? Oh, I, I, the, the more fucked up, the better. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's it's great. There's been some pretty vile ones. <laughs> <laughs> that are that are good-hearted, or? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's one that's where... Uh, that he's asking people to draw on this. You have a sketchbook of it or something? It's just people, sometimes I've commissioned people. I got <laughs> Helen Joe to do one, and it's like... Oh, man, I bet that was good. Yeah, I was, really it, I was just like, I want a Helen Joe draw. He's like, draw the dirty bird with some badass chicks. And she's just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one's awesome. I know. You're about three feet tall. Three apples tall, I think. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a, and it's just like this, like, weird bird guy with this, like, wearing these, like, Speedos, but this looks like... this. With these giant women next to him. Yeah, just like badass Helen Joe chicks. It's just like, and there's this other one that Vicky Dorino did. That's like a Muppet version being launched out of like uh, when Gonzo get launched out of a cannon, but he's being launched out of a foreskin. Oh yeah, those are beautiful. But also, there's something I find slightly. Uh, Sorry. There's something I really don't like if someone tries to draw a very authentic portrait of you, and it's. A little unflattering. It's well, also a little like, this, oh, no. This happened in, um, so I went to school for animation, mm-hmm. like hand-drawn, classical animation, and um, caricatures were like a big thing that oh, a lot of the students That's would so do. Hard. Actually, in the class, in our life drawing class, like we had like a little thing where we had an assignment to do caricatures. There's this horrible thing where my life drawing teacher was talking about how when you're drawing characters of someone, you really want somebody who has like some, you want some feature that mm-hmm. they can, you can really emphasize. But it's already, like, a big feature. So, like, he said to this, you know, one kid in the class with, like, big ears or something. He was like, so you, like, I'd play up your ears. And then there's, like, a girl with, like, uh, a really pronounced nose. And he's like, yeah, I'd play up your nose. 
And then he, yeah, I know, yeah. And then he said to me, and he it's said all those to me, things you've been insecure about. Let's just, yeah. And then okay. he said to me, he's like, and you, you'd be really easy to caricature. But he didn't say <laughs> what he would do. But what I discovered when, because people in class would do it, and, and there were certain people that they always did caricatures of because there was something that could draw out. And for me, it was always, always my eyebrows and. Um, under eye lines, it was just all these characters of me looking so pissed off <laughs> and like just like haggard, go legs, and like all just just like mean furry bags, furrow bags. Um, so like that's what I constantly saw, and I didn't really mind it so much because at least I was sort of like, oh, well, my face has like something about it. At least that's, that's like, kind of cool, though. Yeah, that's You're like edgy. a cool one. <laughs> but like every so often, like I'll draw like a picture of myself that's not the lizard character, and like. Um, my friend uh, Steve Wolford will like say to me, <laughs> he's like, Emily, what do you see? Why are you drawing yourself like this? Because yeah. I'll think it's like a super accurate portrait. He's like, no. You don't right, want to. I mean, does, does Through the Woods start with the... That's little me. At yeah. The beginning. But that's also how you draw adult you, not that's that different. literally like you... just like a generic kid with a bowl cut. Right. <laughs> those I've, are pajamas seen... I had. That was my duvet and my You bed did that dream lamp. comic with yourself in it. And I remember seeing that. Yeah, and that was, I had super short hair at the time, like it was mm -hmm. like shaved at the sides, and I drew myself with really long hair, because yeah. I had had really long hair before. I didn't really draw my face, <laughs> that was the trick. It was like cut on, cutting off the face. But there's also the idea that artists kind of look like their work in certain ways. Mm-hmm. I, mm -hmm. I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not even <laughs> realizing it. And a lot of it's just in mannerisms and, you know, because it all gets, it goes into the work. Theory. Yeah. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> one of just one of the things I like about the Dirty Birds, and it kind of makes me think of what with what you you're both doing with your uh, self portraiture, is there's a certain anonymity to it too. Like this, it like I don't put a lot of photos of myself. Mm -hmm, yeah. You know, that's kind of a that's a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like the first That's funny. Well, I get no anonymity with my self portraits at all. Yeah, because you got a big elephant tattoo. With your bag. I like how it switches necks. It's whatever neck is facing the camera in your drawing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. funny. That's a that's something I'm very aware of. Is uh, not you know not like deliberately making sure there are no pictures of me online. But like not trying to put a lot of photos of me online. Kind of trying to be a little bit careful with it. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think it, it looks kind of cheesy if you just have selfies all over the place. But I get so pissed about other people not having photos of themselves online. <laughs> like, I get so, and like there's one picture of you, because well, of course a, I do. Like, like, what does Emily Carroll look like? And there's one little photo, I'm like, ah! Well, when I first met you, Emily, you would talk about, you were really proud, you're just like, hey, there's no, like you look at Emily Carroll, you You were on Facebook when we first met you. <laughs> yeah, never made any posts when I got rid of it. Yeah, there, there was, I think there's like a couple photos of me now online and like one of them I actually don't mind but then like the other photo that comes up is like there's um I can't, I can't remember we might have been mentioning this on Twitter that there's all these other you're talking about other Eleanor Davis's mm -hmm. when you like search mm -hmm. your name on Twitter or something. Mm -hmm. and all the other Emily Carroll's that I can find are like these really like slim cute blonde American teens <laughs> that's what people were thinking right, like, yeah okay. that's what they expected me to be like because they had googled me and found yeah. these 16 year old girls <laughs> The other but, Brandon Graham yeah. is, a, uh, is like a, a cool-looking black football player. 
Oh, we, yeah. We follow each other on Twitter, and whenever <laughs> I see anyone talk about him, I take credit for it. <laughs> when people are just Makes like, you, feel good about you really came to play today, and I'm like, you're damn right. You <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so there's not many photos of me. There's like, if you look at me up, I think the top photo of my name is like, um, like, uh, like a slam poet or something. <laughs> like Emily Carroll. So I'm like, maybe it's people just think I'm her and don't look too much different. So. That would be cool. We should get into slam poetry when this whole comic book thing goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's where the Tell them make my millions, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um... Eleanor, have you done any, um, have you done any, yeah, (laughs) are you more of a kind of a New Yorican, I was going to ask if, if, um, if, if either of you have have considered doing long form stories or like, like I'm very jealous of having like, I feel like a lot of my favorite cartoonists have like a short story period of their career and then they're like, time to make the long form work. Mm. Like, do you, do you feel like you're, wait, what are you jealous of? Like, do you feel like you're, um, going to. Do you, do you prefer shorter works and your own work, or do you feel like you're you're building up to doing like a grand? No, I feel I feel pretty comfortable with thinking that I I don't I don't know if I'll ever do anything long ever again. I did a I did a um, kids graphic novel oh, right. called Secret Science Lines, which which I talked to Robin about mm-hmm. a couple of years back, and um, it just wasn't it didn't suit how I work. Uh, that one was sounded like. It was a lot of work. It was a ton of work. Not enjoyable. And like maybe it would have been better, you know. I'm sure it'd be. I, I didn't. I've learned how to work better, and I've learned kind of my own voice a little bit better. Uh, so I think that it would be easier now. But in some ways, I don't. I don't know. It would be very different. Hmm. I so so many of my favorite comics are, uh, you know, like your comics or like the dungeon comics, where there are these like fun like worlds that just kind of like ramble on and on okay, and is so much fun i know it's so yeah. fucking good uh and or you know a lot of my favorite manga series or um 20th century boys some of those those awesome super long things mm. but I'm, I'm too uptight for that and i the way that i like to work is like to distill down and down and down and down uh so any any kind of longer thing I would make would have to be very, I think, highly tightly edited, and uh, and I just don't know if it would be fun. But ma- I mean, maybe someday. My mm. my experience so far has not been that great <laughs> with the long stuff. Interesting. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say like, um, I. Uh, the short answer is, um, yeah, I, I have, like, I literally, I'm probably completely damning myself, jinxing myself by saying this, but, like, two weeks ago I started outlining something for a, lot, a long project that I nice. want to write. Uh, but, like, I'm doing, like, three projects <laughs> over right. the next, like, couple of years with other, with writers. Right. Um, and in a way, like, I think that'll maybe... And I've been very me. clear with you. Where I'm like Emily. You write better than everyone. <laughs> so I'm you working with like clear to the writers that you're working with. <laughs> so, but like I think it's good because I I, I I sincerely do because the longest story in Through the Woods is the last like main story. Right, the nesting uh, place. The nesting place, and that was originally actually cut twenty five pages. Ultimately. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. They were all finished. Oh, um, Emily. And it was. What? Wait, they finished were, art? Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting the way that Emily works is, um, well, yeah. you, Wait. 
You've, there was 25 finished pages yeah. of that story yeah. that you didn't include? Yeah. That's... Because I changed the ending entirely. Oh, my gosh. And then the... Um, yeah, because initially it had, like, a much more sympathetic thing to the to the, the, the villain of the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and But I felt... So that was, like, the longest story I ever worked on. Like, I think it was... I don't know how long it is now, but it, it was quite long at the time, like, 70 or 80 pages or something um, before I cut it. And uh, I really felt that that feeling of like I don't like I I could feel it slipping out of my mm-hmm. hands, mm-hmm. Uh, and it and it was just getting away from me, and it was becoming this like a more. It was like you know gack. <laughs> <laughs> it was like when you like <laughs> open your Turtle hands and let gack <laughs> like run through your fingers. <laughs> um, so anyway, so it was turning to gack, and, um, and so I think now I think the writers I'm working with. It's 60 pages now, so it was yeah. like 80 pages before. Dang. So the writers I'm working with now, it's like, uh, it, it's, I think it's really helping me, like, kind of get in the mode of pacing all that stuff out, because otherwise I would just completely falter. So I think this is like, it's a ton of work to do, but I think it's like kind of necessary for me to become a different sort of writer too. Right, and there's a lot of longer longer stories you've had ideas for, I know. Yeah, exactly. Even the nesting place, I remember you talking about ideas for that. Or something connected to that being a longer... Yeah, there's... Yeah. And the other thing I want to try doing is maybe short stories that have, like, a main character who, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, goes through and has, like, a... There's like a they're, like, a common thread. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of cap it. So it would be, like, very similar to the yeah, book. Yeah, I'm but, super excited about that idea. Yeah, but I don't know if I'm going to do that anymore. <laughs> but I do have an idea for another one that's, like, more of a... Just one solid story right. that I kind of want to try out. But I don't know if, if I did it right now. I don't think it would be good. I think I need the, the practice to do it. Hmm. Because, yeah, I did all those pages and then my editor Gosh. read it and she was like, story is uh, kind of meanders. Like, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not scary enough. Oh, gosh. Is what she told me. Damn. And I was like, you know what? You're totally right. Aww. So I got rid of this sequence, um, which was fine. I think there were... There were things I liked in it, but ultimately, I think that the story became much stronger. Hmm. Um, I was saying before about the, the the way your process is really interesting because you you draw like it's almost like you um, you draw everything in little elements, and then paste it together in when you work on the computer. Yeah, I have like I did a process post about this recently for um, yeah, which blew my mind because I had no idea <laughs> that that was how you work. Yeah, I think it's because uh, <laughs> I started making comics in isolation and mm-hmm. like didn't, uh, I just didn't know how to, like, properly make, like, a grid or anything like that, so Mm -hmm. I was, like, really worried about getting something wrong and just wanted to, like, keep it as loose as possible Mm -hmm. so I could fix it in Photoshop. Um, so yeah, so I draw, like, on, uh, one big sheet of paper, I'll draw all the elements for, like, a bunch of pages, like, I'll draw the, not always, but most of the time I'll draw the characters, like, separate and then background elements, um, and then I have, like, a whole library of, like, just, like, um, like rough pencil lines and uh, charcoal dots and textures and all this kind of stuff that I will then like create. Like especially in um, Nesting Place, like there's like scenes in the woods that are all just things that I scanned in separately and layered. I was super excited about that. When you used the the leaf you found as like the... the Yeah, there's a leaf in that book too, yeah. The ghost, the ghost that has like a sort of, yeah, like a... Yeah, the kind of aura ghost that falls around the the character. Yeah, that's a a leaf I found. It sounds so artistic, yeah. Yeah, and when when she told me that, I was just like blown away, and I was like, you can do that? Well, because I was, basically, (laughs) it was laziness, because I was like, I saw this leaf, because I used to live in Vancouver near um, Stanley Park, which is like this big 
forest, basically. It was, like, two blocks away from my house, so I would just go and just, like, write in the woods. <laughs> Such a cartoon With your myself. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of perfect. I didn't really think about that in connection with your Yeah, work, exactly. It's so easy, so quickly, you can just disappear there. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's mm. totally silent. You walk in the middle of it. Mm. So, um, so anyways, on, I was walking through it, and I was on my way out, and I saw this leaf that was, like, I guess it was fall, and it was, like, um, a dead leaf, and I was like, oh, that, I, I really want to use that somewhere as, like, some kind of infrastructure for, like, a creature or something, uh, but, like, how would I draw it? So, how could I draw it as well as this leaf looks? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll just scan the leaf. Mm-hmm. I don't have to draw it now. I did a thing in the, one of the recent Warheads pages I'm working on now where the character has a key to the hotel room, and I did that where I just scanned my key. Yeah. <laughs> and then drew the little label on it. Here, I could show you which part it's in. I, I think... It's in that yeah. story, yeah. But it's not at all. Um, it's not at all distracting in there. It really, like, works with the the, with the art. That's a leaf. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and I had no any idea. Any time that appears, it's right, right, just right. a leaf that could have Oh, interesting. So yeah, I, I kind of just put things like. But I feel like I kind of feel like that's a crutch, and I, I want to get away from it. Um, so because like I just need to learn how to draw. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but being it's able to thing. doing that is really like yeah. confidently. You're thinking outside the panel box, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wait, like, so yeah. all your stuff. So a lot of a lot of these pages are kind of more, uh, um, kind of more swimmy in in through the woods. But you've also done comics that are a lot more, like panel. Yeah, panel I still do it stuff. for that. Yeah, you change, you change <laughs> the format quite a bit too. Pardon me. You change the format quite a bit too. Was it difficult in like well, let's say like. Um, Face all red, mm-hmm. and and things that or you you've done comics that you can't print because they're they're the specific. death of uh, yeah the death of the Jose Arcadio would just be too long to print. I mean, I guess it, you, you conceivably could print. if you had a long piece of paper. Just right. do a print. Yeah, but I mean, I'm doing a I'm doing a slideshow on different things that can be done in comics. There's a bunch of your stuff in there, or just like this is stuff that you can't really do in print. Like Emily has a story that's um, a character visiting a mermaid at the edge of a of a pool and it's just a repeated panel over and over and over until the character goes down into the water and then it just keeps going down and down and down and you read you know endlessly down and it's like something that you know is really unique yeah unless you had like some 87 page fold out but it still even wouldn't have the same effect i don't think yeah exactly uh, so just like a roll just comes out yeah that's why like for the like web comics like i'll probably be making things specifically for the web or for print so this book mm-hmm. is like mostly just stuff that was expressly made for print because i couldn't do the web comics right in the story where you just have parts of the room that you click on yeah that like, i couldn't do that and I wouldn't really want to, like, I feel, I don't feel the need to, uh, if I would have to change the story that much mm-hmm. to print it, I, I don't think, it, I would just be happy, like, creating a whole new story. Right. I suppose that one you could, you could print the, the first image and then have things slightly change, just use it as, like, a chapter title for each. Yeah, section. I mean, yeah, you could do it. I think even, like, his face I'll write in the book, I think it still works okay in the book, but I think it works better on the internet, to be honest. Hmm. There was that mini comic collection you did which is really yeah that was yeah oh that, that thing's it that I completely amazing. forgot about that I might it, put that online somehow it was uh she did this was it six parts it was seven or it was like this is um this is a, 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 my first mini mm-hmm. in 2011 and for some not reason not ambitious at all yeah this was ridiculous I don't know why I did this thank god for Kate my wife helping me fold and staple all these things 
So I made this story called um, That Night in June. Mm -hmm. And what it is, the mini is, it's an envelope with the title on it. Inside are like seven um, like quarter page size booklets. And um, the, one of them is a like uh, key because it shows like uh, all the members of this family. Mm -hmm. um, and it mentions that there's a deadly fire this one night in June. Mm -hmm. These are the members of the family at mm -hmm. the time. And then all the other booklets, there's no order. Mm -hmm. They can be read in any order. And so like I stuffed them into the envelope randomly so everyone would have a different mm -hmm. experience with it. Um, and um, they're each, they each have the initials of the character from the family that that's the point of view of the character that you're going to be following. Mm -hmm. And they're like... <laughs> Hard to explain, like, like, and linearly, but so each booklet you focus on one character, um, and it culminates on what they're doing that night in June mm -hmm. when this fire starts, and you never find out how this fire starts or who dies in the fire. Oh, man. And then, uh, but each booklet also will have uh, an effect on at least two other booklets in the. There's, thing. there's clues in the in the panels, which is really yeah. Exciting. So like, you read one, and you'll find out that like. Um, uh, that this this the the family is like this like sad um, um, southern Ontario family from like the turn of the century or something, and the mother has died and the father has remarried this much younger woman, so like one of them is the young bride's uh, story and it's just about her being like alone and unloved and that she's like at one mention at one point she mentions that she um, um, has like a she takes a lover to inspire jealousy, mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And it's not until you read um, other characters' stories that you realize who she was trying to inspire jealousy in mm -hmm. and who the lover was mm -hmm. and like how all these things interact. So I made 100 copies of this, but that's 700 minis mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, for my first minute. <laughs> so like, I was saying this to somebody earlier is that like I was cutting all these things because like I also like lost my mind because I had no idea how to print mini comics right, at right, all. Right. And and everyone I asked, they were like, I don't remember how I did that or whatever. <laughs> and and they were all quarter page size, so like they couldn't just do it. They couldn't just do it like in a machine. Like right, a, right, right. So I was like losing my mind. And uh, yeah. So anyway, so they so I, I I was cutting everything, and then I sat down. I had a you know this long stapler that I just bought specifically for this. And Kate's next to me, and I take the very first booklet and try to staple it, and I. Fuck it up. And I just, I was so tense. Like, I stayed it completely wrong. I just went, fuck this. And threw the, <laughs> threw the mini across the thing. Like, I was so, like, on the verge of tears, like, instantly. And Kate was like, don't even worry about it. Give me the stapler. And then she proceeded to staple 700 minis perfectly. Never missed it once. She took the staple out of the one that I thrown across the room. <laughs> and, like, so I just, like, folded and kept them. But, like, she was like, don't worry. She's like she's like so precise and exact mm -hmm. in everything that she was like next up. So. Well, it's interesting too. I was just thinking about how Kate works in video games, and uh, and Steve Wolfhard, one of your one of your closest friends, is obsessed with board games, and how <laughs> and how that must be an influence on the way that you approach. Because there is kind of like a puzzle aspect to a yeah. lot of your work. Yeah, and that's they, a, that reminds yeah. me of your the the yaw. Oh, the yaw, yeah, yeah it's like, a game I made. Yeah, yeah, it's like kind of a game. The the mini is kind of a game. It's a yeah, game. it's I think yeah, it's definitely like it's um, and I think that comes in a lot of like my stuff is very kind of um, influenced by uh, game because actually the reason why I made that night in June was that I used to do a lot of like online role playing group stuff. And um, uh, one of the things that, you know, all the friends I was with, they were all into, like, different fandoms and stuff like this. And I found it interesting how, like, p 
people would become really attached to like one character from a book or a movie or something, even if it wasn't the main character, they'd be like, you know, Ron Weasley's like, that's, that's my guy. Is Ron <laughs> Weasley. And uh, so I sort of like, initially I was like, you know what, that's what I like. I just like creating like characters and like having people like become connections with them. So I was like, I'll make the characters of this family and then people can choose which one yeah, they like, like the best. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I like this, you know, I sad lesbian. The cocky, like, Ron Weasley, that's my guy. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's where that came from, was inspired by role-playing games. And then uh, there's another thing where, like, I get, I sort of mentioned this before, but I get really possessive mm-hmm. of um, things I'm into. Like, I can't engage in, like, a broader culture of it uh, because I, I get, I feel like it's being taken away from me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just don't, like, I don't get involved in a lot of fandom stuff. I do a lot of fan art. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the, the thing with, like, that night in June and, like, um, even Margaret's Room or like any of those things, I, I prefer like a game where, um, like to avoid, sorry, I'm, I'm circling this point, I'm about to make it. So a game like uh, Fallout, the Fallout series. Fallout New Vegas, right? Fallout, you know. Yeah, Fallout. Sure. Um, uh, it's the same game, everyone's playing the same game, but mm-hmm. uh, you have your own, since it's non-linear, you can kind of like go to different places on the map out of order, mm-hmm. it's everyone now has their version of that game. Mm-hmm. And no one is going to play that game. Like, they play that game even though you have, like, the same experience. And people, and the characters, the the, the NPCs or whatever, respond differently to you yeah. depending on how you behave and stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, like, yeah, where, when you reach them or something like yeah. that, yeah. So, with the, that in June and with even, like, initially how Margaret's Room was supposed to be and the Yogg, the game, um... It's the same thing. Like you read the booklets out of order, you have a different experience. Mm-hmm. You're more sympathetic to this character because you read their book before mm-hmm. this other person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've seen the Yog. What is that? It's a game I made at. Um, That's also what I call it when Marion goes to yoga. Yeah. Can hit the Yog today. Yeah. <laughs> was that for the TCAF? Uh, yeah, it was for TCAF's Comic versus Games event. They like they uh, Miguel Sternberg. Um, he uh, set up this thing where they matched a uh, Toronto area games dev with a cartoonist okay, and then you had like this. less than three months to make a game how much work was that it was way too much yeah so like it was and I was doing like getting a mini ready for before that decaf too so and doing work I guess. but uh, the, the the thing is we kind of made a more ambitious game than I think we were supposed to I kind of bit off more than I could chew mm-hmm. uh, drawing wise um, but the positive side of that is that um, the uh, dev I was working with, Damien Summer, uh, since like polished it up a lot, and uh, it's been released like for sale, and so like I got to actually make money off this thing that I oh, thought was just going to be like this one-off like gallery cool. show. Game. And it's done well. Everybody's ex- I've, I just heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, I'm no, great. Play the young. Yeah, it's, it's like, really cool because I just watched a playthrough of the of the game that, that your wife worked on last. Oh, Gone Home. Gone Home, yeah, and and you did the lettering in that. Yeah, I did the the font is based on my handwriting, yeah. and I did the the map of the house, which I love. I love drawing yeah. floor plans. But it made it such it a cool so feeling where I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm so familiar with your writing <laughs> now that it's just like, it's like, oh, Emily game. <laughs> yeah, they actually in that game, I also initially like auditioned to write the mom's handwriting because it's all these like notes that you find in mm-hmm. this house. Uh, it's set in 1995. I initially tried writing the mom's notes. 
but it didn't look right. And so all the mom notes in that game or like the older women notes are all written by the moms of people at the studio. So they're like authentic mom writing. (laughs) You play a lot of games too, or? I don't play any video games. I watch Drew play video games uh, sometimes. Um, I've gotten a lot. I used to be really, uh, feel a lot more jumpy about video games. Maybe I had some judgment about video games. well, the internet because now you can't blame you. What? The internet now you can't really blame. No, it was. I think more when I was, was younger. Like a nice <laughs> and it was, and it was just, uh, and it was just. Um, I don't know. Just the games that you know, whatever shooting games or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I associated them with being bored out of my. You know, I was, all my friends were dudes, and I just video games were what we did all the time when we could have been having fun. But instead, I was just watching them play video games. But it's been interesting to see because there's been more and more uh, experimental video games and really interesting video games, and I've gotten to know more women that are into video games, uh, and that's been been really interesting. There's actually um, I don't know if you would be interested in this at all, but there's a um, like a I don't know if you've heard of Twine or if you played any Twine games that people have been making. Is that did it's like that you click on. Sophia Foster Domino, is she doing it? She was, she, was trying to, she was telling me Oh, about, she had like a really ambitious game that she was making. Yeah, yeah. it was like, it, it looked ambitious. But yeah. I think she said something about like... She's probably using it. Uh, uh, Sloan, do you know Sloan? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I played the Sloan one a little bit. Yeah, though, like the body horror thing? Yeah, it's like, um, and then she made a comic. Um, right, the bit, from, from Profit. Yeah. And, um, but like it's basically, I'm just thinking you might like it in terms of like short story mm-hmm. and like kind of that juxtaposition of like poetry and like another meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically you can just create like a like a branching choose your own adventure thing by mm-hmm. clicking on different like uh, hypertext links within the text, mm-hmm. um, and the the system for it like you barely need to know like any programming at all. Oh, okay. So it's it. not it's not graphic based at all. No, nope. you can put graphics in it mm-hmm. if you want, but uh, you know you, you can okay. just do writing and it can be like super short and it's like mm. I don't know. There's like there's a, a one that I was working on a while ago and then I just had to abandon because I got too busy. But it seems like. It's probably very yeah. the kind of thing that you would uh, that you would like, I think. Yeah, I like I like uh, I like a lot of the um, I don't know more experimental stuff. Yeah, it's made. definitely like, there's a lot of I don't know. It'd be fun to make a video game. <laughs> I have an idea for one that's called Abandon the Baby, uh-huh. where it's just a side scroller and it's a pretty simple side scroller, but it's really really hard and you're definitely gonna die no matter what. But and but you can rack up a you can go a certain distance around rack up a certain amount of points. Mm-hmm. But you start with this baby, and the baby slows you down and makes things more dangerous for you. And the faster you abandon the baby, the more, the farther you'll be able to go. Right. Uh, but it says like and then your score is logged at the end. Mm-hmm. But also it says if you abandon the baby or not. Right. Right. So so, so the people with the highest scores will have abandoned the baby. <laughs> But they'll. But at what cost? But at what cost? Sorry. <laughs> but I can see that totally desensitizing you, where you're just like, okay, let's abandon the baby. Let's go. Well, there'd be different kinds of players. Yeah. You know, there'd be players that would be like, I fucking won. What? You know. And then the final boss is the baby, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was the thing with Gone Home too. Is that like people like after it came out, it's like to play the game, it's like maybe two hours, two mm-hmm. three hours. Um, but. Uh, there are all these people when the game came out where they're like, you can, uh, this is a speedrunner of that game, you can beat it in two minutes. And it's literally, it's, basically their premise was, 
you can like run to the very last room or the last like oh, right. thing right. is, but it's a game where you're like reading and exploring. It's like <laughs> saying like I watched this whole movie because you're like fast forwarding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got to the last like, page. <laughs> yeah. But that says a lot about how uh, players of games have been trained. Yeah. Yeah, for like victory conditions and stuff like that, yeah. which is I sort of put in the yog was like there's a an element of it that is trying to defeat the notion of like a clean win condition. Mm-hmm. Right. And just more like about creating like a fun story or like an interesting story mm-hmm. I think was more important mm-hmm. yeah because it's amazing what a, what a tool video games is and how uh, many people use it like their tools yeah <laughs> I'm curious Eleanor if you have um, any interest beyond what you've been doing with comics as far as storytelling uh, you mean with comics? because we were talking about like Emily games using video and games and, and the web format with like experimenting that way I don't wonder if you have any interest in that in kind of exploring more web. Or like ebooks. Yeah. Or even, I was going to ask, like, uh, do you, I don't know if you write poetry or if you write prose or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't write poetry or prose. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued by the idea of doing avant-garde PowerPoint presentations. Yeah. Like the one today. <laughs> yeah, which I, I had a really good time with. And I was surprised that I... It turned out that I have a really good time doing this slideshow because hmm. uh, I was not at all looking forward to having to do, you know, slideshows promoting this book. But then I made this slideshow that I, I really enjoy doing because it's odd. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'd love to make video games. I'd love to, to do more of everything. I'd love to do I, more puppetry stuff. I'd do some puppetry stuff sometimes. There's, oh, nice. there's lots of things I'd like. Do you want to talk a bit about the presentation? This won't be aired until November so. Tour might be done by oh, that's true. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's. Mm, oh my! I don't know. I don't know if I want to <laughs> talk about it. It's, it's a nice. It's a. It's a nice surprise if you've yeah. seen it. So if I ever want to do it again, I might. It'll. I guess I'm not going to. Emily, do you not have a strong um, feeling about Sherlock Holmes? That's Sherlock Holmes. What? So Emily sent me this amazing website recently oh, this God. woman, um, suck it up Robin, but this woman <laughs> is doing uh, these beautiful, fantastical uh, Sherlock Holmes the and Watson. Fan comics and erot- yeah, erotica. Erotica. So uh, this erotica, or this fan fiction's okay? Well, I don't, I don't watch Sherlock. I tried, and I, it was not for me. Right. But, like, I... There, it's like I will, I've said this a couple times, but I will never put as much effort into anything in my life as this person did into making this beautiful yeah. Sherlock 1950s teen Watson slash yeah. comic. It's and really, sometimes they're, really like, centaurs, good. and sometimes they're vampires, and sometimes they're just Whoa. dressed as characters in the Matrix. Yeah, and just, they just sort of morph in and out? No, they're, like... It's, like, well, is there, the comic is, like, it's contained in, like, the it, one teen universe. Um... And then, and then there's uh, pinups that are then there's pinups that are them like. And there's one where uh, Sherlock seems to have a penis coming out of his anus, or like some kind of like tentacle. Oh. I don't know where the tentacles originate. Right. But like it's just Is like it his tentacle. Oh yeah. yeah. And then Watson's oh, yeah. saying something <laughs> like like he's sodomizing Watson and Watson saying something <laughs> like this feels this feels amazing and Sherlock Holmes like you have no idea how it feels for me and he's like that gives me just enough clues for it to be terrifyingly creepy. But like they're so beautifully drawn. Or like yeah. the one where they're like where Watson's like 
an octopus mermaid. Yeah. And, I'm trying and to figure where Sherlock's you're going at with this question. This is where we've arrived. He basically just wanted to talk <laughs> again about this artist, whose name I unfortunately can't remember, but they're they're very good. Do yeah. you, do you have work that you feel especially passionate about when you're making the way? Is that what you're trying to ask? What? No, no. I, 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 again, I will never feel as passionate about anything as this person oh, clearly I, does. I, about I, and this is totally derailing things, but my, Emily's heard this a million times, but my fondest hope and dream when time travel technology is finally achieved <laughs> is to... There's a specific fan comic where Sherlock Holmes is reaching for a, tea ca- for a teacup and he lifts it up and inside the teacup is a tiny baby Watson sleeping. <laughs> And he brings it up to his lips like he's going to drink it. And Watson wakes up and kisses him. And I want to... <laughs> Wait, uh, that's a comic that this person... Did? No, no, this is a comic that someone else did this one. <laughs> what? And, um, and it's not... It, the, it exists? Yeah, this exists. And this is not even the that's only... Um, because this is important to me, I've been looking for this several times. This is not even the only Sherlock Holmes and Tiny Baby Watson in a teacup comic that exists by by multiple authors but yeah. but my, so my goal is when time travel technology is finally achieved <laughs> is to is to uh, bring it to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and say you're remembered in the future your work is very important look this is what you did this is your, your legacy work. yeah this is your legacy <laughs> but yeah I don't like I don't want to make it seem like I'm making fun of like people for making like no but I mean like, like I, I think, think it's get, like, pretty cool no, I, I think, think that we're all very and also this person is more t- like w- way more drawing skill than I literally ever no have. it's fantastic because <laughs> it's, it's really it's good. A, just just totally separate thing from yeah but it, if I find anything like that I usually send it to I mean we, we were talking before me and you did Archie comics like this yes although not out of love for Archie I killed him in mine I have well he was it was a weird Archie comic too. That that was just because I lo- like, when I was a kid I loved Archie comics, but mostly because it was the only comic um, where girls were drawn um, really pretty, mm-hmm. like in like superhero comics. It was like they were such afterthoughts, mm-hmm. and uh, and Betty and Veronica were always like wearing like cool like nineteen fifties clothes or whatever. I had like cool hair, and like that's what kind of where I learned to draw. And that's just I just wanted to learn how to draw pretty girls, and nobody was right. helping me out except Archie. <laughs> but like I remember reading those books constantly, but I don't. Ever really remember smiling or like laughing at any right. jokes? Yeah, no, they weren't good. No, they're not. I, I, right. I consumed them. Yeah, in the, yeah, just sort of like a give me yeah. the Archie. Mm-hmm. I will read it. Yeah, in that way that you'll just sort of read anything when you're a kid. Yeah, but I like it. It felt important. I was like, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning from. I'm gonna be a woman after reading. <laughs> not even, I don't know. Just kind of like let. Tell me about the secret lives of teenagers. Right. <laughs> they love hamburgers. <laughs> this, this like, that's kind of how I felt with... I mean, I like Tintin a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like it was more enjoyable. But it did feel kind of like a educational comic. You know. Aww. Brandon is showing off nice. his Tintin tattoo. Yeah. I don't think I would have recognized that as Tintin except for that you... It was... I mean, context. In context, yes. That's from the... Which one is Cigars of the Pharaoh? Okay. It's the it's That's this evil organization that basically looks like the Ku Klux Klan, but they're all dressed purple and they poison people until they go insane. That was an intense one. I immediately after getting you really this, relate to them. No, immediately after getting <laughs> this, I was thinking, well, my other arm is a prophet tattoo, oh, which is yeah. the evil organization that enslaves everyone in my in the comic I write. Jesus. And Christ. as soon as I got this, I was like, I wonder if Herge was trying to come up with another way to do a swastika. Oh, well, I mean, man. it's like you, you're talking about they're KK looking, and even Tintin's already kind of. Well, there it's it's a bunch of it's a bunch it's a multi ethnic Ku Klux Klan. There's, oh, okay. An Indian, well, they take off their masks, and there's like an Indian guy in it, and I think there's an Asian gentleman. 
draw yeah. incredibly her, accurately. Her gay would not. Her gay would not pass up the chance to have evil multi ethnic people. <laughs> <laughs> that is not, that's not a point where he would have it be all white. <laughs> Very equal opportunity in that particular. Uh-huh. I do feel for 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 things that one loves, feeling upset by other folks. Like I can't. I get really upset about like. The Lord of the Rings movies, for example, which I know is not really fair, and they're really important to a lot of people. And mm. Well, Marion refuses to watch The Hobbit because she has such a fondness for the books; she doesn't want the right thing changed. But did she? But she read the. She, I mean, she watched the rest of the Lord of the Rings movies. Well, it's because she she didn't want to watch The Hobbit because she watched the other Lord of the Rings, and now she can only think of yeah. the characters as they are. And it's funny because I have the same love for the cartoon that, that they did of the stuff. The Bakshi? No, Bakshi. Oh no no the the uh, Rankin Bass one. Oh. By, the, by like the last unicorn, Thundercats people that broke off and became like Very Miyazaki. Wrinkly. And so. Was yeah. it? Yeah, the wrinkly, the wrinkly stuff. Yeah. yeah. But um. Yeah, everybody has like the where they're something that's too much. Yeah, I get out of it with Dune a bit. Yeah. Oh, because you've never seen the Dune movie. I've seen the David Lynch's Dune. Oh, you have. I actually don't mind it that much. Interesting. But I, but I do run into a lot of people who, if I mention I like Dune, they will. <laughs> Dilettantes. <laughs> <laughs> I've just watched the David Lynch movie, which is a fine film, but it's uh, quite different from the book. Did you watch the Jodorowsky Dune documentary? No, Brandon, we've discussed this. No, Every I time know. I bring up Dune, somebody asks me if I've watched well, that. That's right, it's terrible. And, it's I also, really terrible. I also don't like... like. Oh, because I told you not to watch it. <laughs> I feel like... Dune, a bit of a Dune sidebar. Dune is like so not cool. Like All the designs in the book, and like there's a lot of silly, not great things in the book. It's not cool or like hip, but like the David Lynch movie is very cool. Mm-hmm. And then the Jodorowsky like an eagle, suit. like a metal eagle. Yeah, it's a crotch eagle, yeah. Robin. Respect the crotch eagle. But and the Jodorowsky <laughs> thing, like people are always saying, like, um, oh, it's so cool. It's like I like how you're fitting worst into his name too. <laughs> that was my ain't it cool news. <laughs> um, people are always like, oh, you know, like Mobius did designs for like Dune characters, and did you see those? Like those are cool. Like that movie no, would have been a good Dune movie. But the thing is, like, I'm sure it would like I don't know. It could have been a fine movie, but it wouldn't have been like Dune. And I don't mm. really like the Mobius. Well, the thing, the one of the the ruined the documentary for you. He wanted to change the ending completely. He wanted yeah. to make his own ending of the thing and have it be terrible. The Lynch ending is totally different too. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I, I don't mind like adaptations that take like a lot of yeah. liberties. But yeah, no, his was like the thing I always say about the Mobius designs in it is Mobius did significantly better designs that looked like he was more passionate about them for the He Man Master of the Universe <laughs> movie. And we all remember that gem. <laughs> so I don't know. I'll stop talking about Doom now. I can't. No, I always, I was, I would always think about. Um, I got really into uh, frustration about book cover design recently. Mm. Um, well, because um, Murakami, one of my favorite writers, like, often they'll have the worst book covers. They'll be like, oh, it's called The Wild Sheep Chase. It's uh, got a guy wearing a... Uh, it's it, Inside the book, it's got a guy who wears a, a ratty old sheep costume. So on the cover, they just take like, a photograph of a guy in a suit and put a sheep head, like an animal sheep head, on top of him. Visual yeah, metaphor. That covers, that covers <laughs> yeah. everything. And so I was just like really irritated by book design, and now whenever I get a novel, I'm just like, why doesn't Emily just do like the whole Dune series? No. I think it'd be good. I, I want. But to would you want to visualize it? You know the the what? guy. Would you want to visualize it like that? Well, you've drawn a bunch of. I've drawn a lot of Dune fan art. Um, 
Have you drawn the guy that covers himself in worms and turns into the giant worm? The guy. The God Emperor? No, I haven't drawn him, Brandon. Have you ever seen the God Emperor Brandoon comic I did? Okay, I'm going to cover myself in socks and turn into a giant sock rod. I'm reeling you in. (laughs) For real? (laughs) Do you want to get back to Ranma? (laughs) We've been on the road too long. I might push you off the train mm-hmm. over the movie. Push Brandon off the train. There yeah. aren't any there aren't any things that, that you guys feel something like Dune or, or Lord of the Rings where you don't like Oh like, of course, the apple seed. This is very this is very this is very um my my childish way of, of um adding a lot of dignity to things that might necessarily have them, but the <laughs> uh the Masumani Shira Appleseed comic something I really, really love and every adaption, anime adaption they do is just like the most shameful, embarrassing thing ever. It's just like, they're like how can we give her like you know, a ro- a, cy- a cybernetic eye patch and also like a SWAT uniform that has like a lot of cleavage and let's change the race of of, uh, of this character, you know, it's just like this like insane And you just can't, you just can't just let it slide. Like, <laughs> it's like they take everything you like out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like yeah. the dumbest parts of it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure everybody oh, has. I'm sure there's 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 probably a few people that are just like, no, every adaptation of this thing that I like is, is fantastic. I'm sure there are those people that like Star Wars unapologetically, and every iteration of Star Wars is just more Star Wars. Or folks who are just chill. Generally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was nice, that was a nice shutter. Those guys are jerks. Well, like for me, like visually, I, there's nothing really hung up in that way that I can think of. But like musically, like don't get me started on certain things like Coldplay taking a but then the work melody, and I just want to smash something like this fucking crap work. I want to hear the like, fucking you know like, Gwyneth Paltrow's husband. Yeah, but then there's like Ignition. You love the remix to Ignition. Hot <laughs> <laughs> and fresh out the kitchen. Well, after the party is the after party. Nope. Now I'm really good then. Thank you both for coming up here oh. and chatting with us. Thank you for it's, having us. It's a, it's a fun, kind of chill way to end the, uh, the SPX weekend. I was just thinking about if somebody was really fascinated with both of your work and they listened to this. Interview about and then stop liking us because we're no, no, no. you guys are wonderful. They're just gonna be like wanting to talk to you about how, how disgusted they would be with me and Rob. Like you had these two amazing <laughs> fucking cartoonists in the room and you talked to them about bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I can already see the complaints. That's fine. I'm just gonna be thinking about Ronma shipping for the rest of the. No, we need yeah. yeah. If you have any, normally Robin asks for people to put songs to to these things. I want all the songs from Ronma. Beginning songs. Okay. Yeah, papa. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I learned that like phonetically yeah. when I was a teenager. Nice. Um, I'm feeling really. I feel like I let down my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is turning into a so therapy much, session. Yeah. So much better at the at the Ronma than I am. Thank you both. <laughs> Thanks. Dip, get 
get your camera. You can see you've been that bitch shit the Tampa. In the digging that young sister beacon. The bitch who wants to compete and anchor freak fit that pump with the peep in. You know what your bitch become when her weep in. I just wanna sip that punch with your peeps in. Sit in that lunch if you're treating. Kick it with your bitch who come from Parisians. You know where to get my from in the season. Now she wanna lick my plum in the evening. If it's that tongue tongue to deepen. Now you boo up too, hun I'ma ruin you, cunt What you want to do when I appear? 